The frickin' miracle of birth. Hi everyone, I just wanted to let you know this episode talks about miscarriage. So if that's a uh, hard issue for you to hear about, this would be one episode you might want to skip or just take extra care when you're listening. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Hello. 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 Welcome to the frickin' miracle of birth. Uh, I'd like to introduce this week's guest, Adrian. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us, Adrian. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, I know Adrian from work. We both um, had a horrible job and we didn't know each other at the same company. And then we both moved to it's a true. much better job and did know each other. And um, we've been friends. And as soon as like we became friends at work, I was like, oh. I hope she has a baby so she can be boring with me and talk about mom stuff. And then, like, shortly after she became a mom, I was like, yes! So that's been a real treat yeah. for me. Colleen was actually the person that uh, noticed I was pregnant before I even knew. Yes. Wow! So Colleen she, O'Malley. This was... Um, so, I, well, Adrian, you can tell us if you want to cut any of this out. because it's really Oh, personal. no, you can, you can go ahead. I was going to make it part of my... Um, how did you find out? Sorry. Yeah. So Adrian like came to me one day and we're having coffee at work and she's like, yeah, I've been like so weird. I'm like, not really hungry. I like haven't eaten very much in the last couple days. And like, I don't feel like sick, but I just like had a waffle and I was like good to go for like 24 hours. And I was like, are you pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. And my boobs had hurt for like two weeks and I was like, God, and my boobs hurt so bad, but my period hasn't come yet. Like my boobs always hurt before my period, but it's just been like two weeks. And Colleen was like, did you take a pregnancy test? You need to take a pregnancy test. And I was like, no, wait, really? <laughs> yeah. I was eight weeks. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. or I guess, I guess seven weeks. It was like the, it was like right at seven weeks when I actually like found out. Cause I t- took a pregnancy test that I can't remember if it was that night or the next morning. Probably the next morning because it said, like, do it in the morning. Do it in the morning, yeah. Um, and uh, the first one was, like, a dud. Like, it just it, – it the line showed up, but it took, like, 20 minutes or something. And they were like, if it doesn't show up within this time window, it doesn't count. So then I had to wait the next day and do it, like, the next morning. And it showed up instantly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Colleen called it on, like, a Monday. And by Wednesday, I was like, yeah, I'm pregnant for sure. <laughs> yeah. I felt very um, self-righteously proud of my, like, random psychic. I mean, I'm obsessed with babies. So, of course, I want to think everybody's pregnant all the time. So, it was, like, not that, like, amazing that, like, eventually, if I guess you're pregnant, every single person I talk to, then I'm going to get one right. But um, I was very proud at the time. Well, it was very, it was, it was very helpful. um, Yeah, because I feel like you weren't thinking along those lines really at all. No, not at all. And I've always used, um, I have always used fertility tracking. Um, so I don't have any hormonal birth control or implants or anything like that. Um, and so it's not, it's not rhythm method. Like (laughs) I still use condoms, like when I am potentially like the fertile window. Um, but I've always used tracking. It worked for Rafe and I for like a decade, surprisingly well. Um, probably because I was just super militant about making him wear a condom (laughs) most of the time. Um, But uh, yeah, I was like, I literally like looked back at it later that day and I was like, there's no way. When would I have? And I was like, well, there's that one, but it's kind of outside. But it was like, <laughs> that just had to enough. be it. <laughs> yep, yep, just enough. So we've been like, 
we'd kind of like gotten more lax, but we weren't actively trying to have kids. And so I wasn't thinking about it. Like we'd, we'd successfully done this for so long that it like did not occur to me that, yeah, that could definitely happen because <laughs> we'd just been like pretty good about it. I, yeah. I, I too was shocked that unprotected sex could lead to pregnancy. <laughs> like I, who I knew who knew just once is enough. I did not. Time. Yeah. It only takes one time. Who knew? Not me. And, uh, or I guess like not well enough. I didn't know. So yeah. And it looks like, sounds like you're in the same boat. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, it was kind of awesome though, because I was like, I was kind of freaked out. Like I was so surprised that I was like, what do you? what do you mean I'm pregnant? Like, what am I going to do? Like we'd, we'd literally just, we'd moved into our house. We'd closed on Halloween and moved in like over the course of November. And this was like the very end of January, I guess that we found out uh, or no um, conceived at the very end of January, found out like early mid February. I was just like, we just got this new house. We like drained all of our money to like put a down payment on this house. And now in a year, I'm going to have to think of daycare and I just can't afford this. What are we going to do? And Reese's like, this is awesome. That's great. Let's do it. And I'm like, wait, really? Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so he made me feel really good about it like right away. And then all of a sudden we were excited about it. And that pregnancy, actually, I, I ended up miscarrying it um, a month later. So I knew I was pregnant for a month and then I lost it at the end of March. And it was really sad because we'd actually like, it had been a total surprise. So it was like this like, super roller coaster but uh for Rosalind who is my daughter the successful pregnancy that I will be talking about <laughs> this actually kind of factors into her story but um at the end of April I was still like getting over it and um I went down to Omaha to see my best friend and um she was like look you're not pregnant you want to get pregnant but right now let's just go make you feel good so I'm gonna take you out we're gonna have some sushi we're going to split a bottle of wine. We're going to like just we're going to have vice night. You and I, we're going to smoke a cigarette like we're going <laughs> to just go like do the stuff that you couldn't do when you're pregnant. And we're just going to have fun at it and and like help you over this hump. And then um, and then you can go back and try to get pregnant again whenever you're ready. And I was like, this sounds awesome. So I left Rafe at home with our other friend who lives down there and they just played video games with the dog or whatever. Um, and we went out and we had vice night and I got real drunk and I had some cigarettes and <laughs> I also got pregnant. Um, <laughs> because I was, I had unprotected sex again um, <laughs> that night. Cause I got home and was real drunk and Ray was like, you want to have sex in Emily's guest bedroom? I'm like, yup. <laughs> um, yeah. And so a couple weeks later, I'm like, man, my boobs really hurt, but it's been a while. I'm like, wait, I know this feeling. Colleen told me about this. <laughs> Took a pregnancy test. Sure enough. <laughs> so, uh, so Colleen was really helpful, like basically the whole time. <laughs> yeah, because I think I remember talking to you and you were like, I really thought my period would come back after this miscarriage like sooner because I want to start trying, you know, and they kind of tell yep. you to to get wait till you get your period so that you know what like so that you know and can start tracking it and, and you're like waiting it was ready waiting. to come back that month and I, <laughs> yeah, and I was like well are you sure you're not like it again <laughs> sure enough okay so you find out you're pregnant again kind of surprised but a little bit less surprised this time <laughs> yes yes less surprised super grateful super terrified because the first one, as soon as we found out, it was like, um, it was right around my dad's birthday. So like the week after my dad's birthday, I had traveled down to St. Louis and like did a whole, like tell my parents surprise as a birthday present. Um, I got him a, I got him a birthday card that said 
happy birthday grandpa and he was like what what and I got it on video it was amazing um and then it was like literally two weeks after that um so we I told a significant number of people including like the day before I um found out I was miscarrying we had a team meeting and um and I was at like 11 weeks at the time so I was like I'm close enough to this like 12 weeks threshold um I'm just gonna tell my team at this team meeting because they're all here together we only have them once a month and I was just gonna like let everybody know like I'll be going on leave later this year um, so I had told my whole work team and then literally the next day <laughs> I was out <laughs> um, because I had to go to the doctor. <laughs> so I had told a lot of people. So the second pregnancy, I was like, well, I'm not telling anybody until after um, those risk chances go way down. Because that was part of, part of the really hard part was having to break really sad news to a lot of people <laughs> after breaking really good news. <laughs> um, so yeah, super terrified about it. But this pregnancy, I mean, like, went pretty miraculously well. I did not have morning sickness. I lost a bunch of weight that wasn't in an unhealthy way. I just like lost it and then put it back on. So I like dropped close to my goal weight, like when, when I got pregnant again and then like put it on the way you're supposed to. I was worried about like gaining too much weight in pregnancy because I've been kind of like struggling with weight a little bit. Yeah, it, it went really, really well. <laughs> That's awesome. And how did you feel? I mean, um, the first trimester, do you have any nausea? No, I, I really didn't. Like, I definitely had um, reactions to food. Like, I really like eggs and could not handle the smell of eggs at, at all. It didn't make me throw up, but I was just like, mm, I have to I have to get out of here. Yeah. Um, same, but I didn't, same. like, have any kind of regular nausea or anything. And ginger. It's like my friend came over and was making, like, fried rice or something and put ginger in it. And I was just like, oh, that's way too strong. <laughs> but it was just a couple of specific things like that. I, I had an aversion to coffee, which I'm, I'm an obsessive coffee drinker. And I was just like, oh, I don't really want that. Which I feel like is your body's kind of, you know, like, isn't, isn't um, one of the theories of morning sickness that mm -hmm. it's your body being like mm, we don't really need that so I'm gonna make you disgusted by it yeah yeah <laughs> so you don't have too much of it cool. but yeah I just never wanted coffee I spent I, I drank a lot of decaf chai tea lattes coffee was a so big a lot, one for a lot me of sugar. too whereas like I, I'm addicted so like I could not imagine like not wanting it even when I like mm -hmm. I cut down before my pregnancies to just decaf and could go a whole day without any at all but just the idea of not wanting any was foreign to me. But then, like, as soon as, like, six Same. weeks hit, I was like, oh, what is that poison? Yuck. Yeah, Rafe would be making, like, make a pot, and I'd just be like, oh, I don't even want that. And he's also, he's a more obsessive coffee drinker than anyone I know. So he got a Keurig a couple years ago, and literally at all times during the day, like, he'd be playing video games at 1030 at night, and he's like, I'm going to go make myself a coffee. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he would just be make, making coffee, and I'd be like, mm. I do not want that. And usually it's such an enticing smell. Yeah. So that was definitely weird. That was probably one of the weirder things, mm -hmm. um, at least early on, I guess. Um, but no, it felt, felt really great. Pretty much the whole pregnancy. Um, I mean, even towards the end of the third trimester, I didn't get, I didn't get many, if any, Braxton Hicks that I remember, like mm -hmm. no practice contractions or, I mean, I had a little bit of like lower back pain, mm -hmm. but, and you know, like general, general pregnancy discomfort. <laughs> How did like you around, but. cope in the first trimester? How did you cope with like the fear of losing this pregnancy? Because I know a lot of women go through that and it's really hard. I, um, I journaled a lot actually. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that I, that's kind of um, dropped off now, mostly because I, I have an 18 month old, 19 month old running around yep. taking up all my time at the moment. But <laughs> um, no, I did. I journaled a lot and I had started it kind of during the first pregnancy 
but then the second one, it got a lot more intense. Mm -hmm. And it really did. It required a solid month of intense mourning, like Mm -hmm. to the point where Rafe was really worried about me. But it really is like the feeling it like it's it's like I've been in pain, like in physical pain before. And it is very physically painful um, to act like the actual act of miscarrying. And it's also emotional pain, which I've had emotional pain before, but not of this intensity. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the fucking of it, like right at the beginning, is your body still has all the pregnancy hormones. Mm-hmm. So your body still thinks it's pregnant. So I still had some nausea and other symptoms. I had to pee a lot, like symptoms of being pregnant. And at the same time, I'm having horrible cramps and heavy bleeding. Like I, I would try and um, I worked out a lot. Also, I would I would go to the Y. I still had a Y membership because this was before COVID. <laughs> um, uh, so I would I would go to the YMCA and I'd like just bike and bike and bike on one of the stationary bikes or I'd like get on the elliptical and just like run. I'd like listen to music. Um, and I did that while I was actually miscarrying. And like at one point I was sitting on the bike at the Y and like had to double over with cramps mm. and oh, um, had like so a major like a major piece of discharge come out um, when I went to the bathroom. And I was just like, I, I can't handle this. Like I'm literally losing my child like right here in the YMCA like I don't know what to do and so I went home and I had to pull over on the highway on the way home because I had horrible cramps but it was like to happening to your body is like I'm pregnant and then also I'm not pregnant at the same time so it was like it's like an identity crisis on top of it yeah and so it really it really was very intense for a while um but yeah I I worked out a lot I cried a lot um there were a couple like I talked to my um my husband's mother had lost a child um and it was actually a stillbirth so it was um it was a placental abruption, so she was much further along than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of bonded over over that. Um, I talked to her. I talked to my mom. Um, and I talked to, all, of all people, my aunt um, who had had a miscarriage. And, and that was the other thing I learned was, like, the number of women in my life mm-hmm. that had had miscarriages never occurred to me. Um, but those women all reached out to me. And that was actually really, really beautiful, even though it was really sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just something we, we don't really talk about that much. Um, and I found it after a point really helpful to talk about like I you know um that's just so many people I, I didn't expect were like oh my gosh I've been there I I understand that pain I'm so sorry you know and just like having those people from random corners of my life reach out like that was like was really powerful yeah um yeah but I journaled a lot I wrote two so the journal is two Rosie, um, mm-hmm. my, my, you know, it was to my current pregnancy after I got pregnant again. So that was actually, that was, that was kind of crazy too. In the first trimester after I, after I found out I was pregnant again, was like, I'm so excited about this new baby, but it was, you know, it was, I think we got pregnant in, uh, end of April, May, I think it was like a right around Easter. I think vice night was, was right around Easter. It was mm-hmm. Easter weekend maybe. So I found out in early May. So it had only been a couple of months. Um, which I had wanted it. I wanted it as fast as possible. I just like, I went from being scared about being pregnant to like wanting nothing but to be pregnant and mm-hmm. couldn't be pregnant. And I had to wait for it. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but then once I was, I was like, Oh, it hasn't been very long. Did I like spend enough time mourning this other baby that I really wanted? And mm-hmm. you know, so I just wrote to, I wrote to the baby and I was like, I really hope you're in there. I'm really scared. <laughs> so I like, I talked to her. And so I like, I wrote her a lot of their, they basically are letters may or may not give her that journal when she's older. I, I don't know. I might keep it for myself. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. If you, um, if you have been through that um, and know of someone else that is going through it, reaching out to them, like, even if you're like, ah, I haven't spoken to her since college, like that was, it was so powerful for me. So don't 
hesitate to reach out and make it not a taboo thing to, to talk about. Totally. So. so then did you feel like once you reached second trimester, were you feeling confident? Like, okay, we made it through the hard part. Like I'm good. Now? Yes. Yes. I did feel much better. And, um, part of that, I have a friend who's an OBGYN. Um, and so I texted her a little bit. She, she even said that she was like, once you get to 12 weeks, the chances go so, so far down. Like you, like you're like stuff can always happen, but like, the, the chances of happening to you, what just happened to you, like just, they just go down to, to a minuscule level um, mm-hmm. after that point. So once you get into that second trimester, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be this anxious anymore. And she was totally right. It actually, it was like hitting that point felt like a weightlifting. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the second trimester was like, I, I had all the good things about second trimester, you know, like a lot of those first trimester symptoms go away. The fatigue, that's the one thing I really had first trimester hardcore fatigue like can't get off the couch can't work fatigue Mm -hmm. um and I think part of that was like the weight of sorrow also played Mm -hmm. into the fatigue of building a placenta in the first trimester yeah (laughs) Um, so the fatigue went away I was really active um did a little bit of traveling like some camping had had a pretty good time and it was like right in the middle of the summer too so you know it was all like summer fun type of stuff I remember you had like a million trips scheduled and I was like, I was like, wow, awesome. And also like maybe just like have some time where you'd have to do absolutely nothing because like when the baby comes, you won't get that ever again. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Totally. Well, and that's the thing is I'm, I'm like in hindsight glad that I did because I had a baby in January of 2020. Yes, that's so true. I went on leave in 2020 <laughs> and before I was ready to come back, like the entire world was going to shit. <laughs> so oh. I still have like barely left my house uh, since then. That <laughs> so, is like, some really crazy timing. Yeah. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was some crazy timing. Uh, I was so, just thinking about that the other day because I haven't been back to work like since I gave birth. So yeah. 19 months. I just have not. I went to the office once to pick up my monitor and my keyboard. And that was <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Very weird maternity leave to, to be like maternity leave into like pandemic. Yep. That was um, crazy. So before we jump into the, the maternity leave part, though, um, third trimester. Do you remember about what time of year you hit your third trimester? Um, yeah, it must have been, um, fall, right? Fall? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if it was like mid to probably mid to late fall, I guess. I gave birth in January. So like it would have been December, November, October. So yeah, probably right around somewhere in September. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hit the third trimester and it was, um, and actually that makes sense because after my first pregnancy, my mom had moved around, um, our family vacation, which had been scheduled for September but for my first pregnancy, that would have put me at like 36 weeks or something. And I was mm-hmm. like, they're not going to let me fly to Florida. So she moved it back to August. So I think I, and I think I, I'm pretty sure I was still in second trimester mm-hmm. um, when, when we went to Florida that year. So yeah, I think it was in the fall and yeah, I was like, I was still going to work. I was like going on walk. like the weather was really nice. Um, so I like went on a lot of walks and that was, that's when they start transitioning you to um, like more frequent appointments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like, I'm trying to think back. It, it was like mostly uneventful. <laughs> Yeah. Like the the whole first part of the pregnancy was a very intense. Yeah. <laughs> um but the rest of it was like really really smooth sailing. So like including the birth even. Almost. Yeah. How were the like the holidays and stuff that you're being all pregnant and stuff? Um they were awesome because I was just like, "Sorry kids, can't go. If you, <laughs> you want to come to me, 
great, but I'm real big, so I'm not going down. I, my parents live in St. Louis, um, and I love going to visit them. I love going to the house where I grew up, um, but it's just they. I was way too far along to fly, and if you fly, it's like an hour and 25 minutes. If you drive, it's like nine hours, um, so I was like, I'm not <laughs> driving nine hours. Uh, so, yeah, it was just like I just put the kibosh on all holiday travel. I think my parents came up for one of the holidays, like early December or Thanksgiving or something like that. My mm-hmm. parents came to us and celebrated. Um, but, yeah, that was fantastic because I, I, I didn't have any obligations. I was like, no, I'm the pregnant one. I'm sitting on my couch. <laughs> nice. Come see me. The exception being uh, Rafe, my husband, um, said that he would be in a wedding like a long time. <laughs> like way early like when we knew about the first pregnancy probably um and so he was going to be a groomsman in his friend's wedding in omaha and that was on like i don't think it was quite new year's eve but it was like december 29th or something it was like you were going to be like 37 weeks 37 weeks i was due on the 12th i gave birth on the 6th but i was due on the 12th so um i i'm pretty sure i was 37 weeks because i talked to the midwife about it and i was like we're driving it's six hours. I, you know, labor's supposed to be long enough that, like, theoretically, if I go into labor, we could probably make it home. And if we can't make it home, we can at least make it to Des Moines. You know, like, mm-hmm. we could make it somewhere where there's a hospital. I don't really want to give birth in Omaha, but it's something that could happen if I, like, went into labor on the drive. Yeah. Um, and she was like, well, that's really up to your comfort level. You know, you're probably okay, but we are going to give you a full printout of all of your paperwork. So whatever hospital you walk into, you have all of your records. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were prepared for it. I was super, I was very deeply unhappy about going on this trip, but it was something that he couldn't really, um, back out of. And I had to go along because Reef doesn't have his driver's license. So he needed a licensed driver in the car. Well, and um, didn't your midwife say like, Hey, you would rather give birth in Omaha with your husband. There yes. And that was exactly it. Like if I'm going to go into labor, we should not be separated. Yeah. And that's exactly what she said. She was like, you either both go or both don't go. And yeah. I, I felt terrible saying no, a couple weeks before the wedding, you have to call your friend and cancel being a groomsman in his wedding. Mm-hmm. And he's a, um, the friend is a Navy guy. So a lot of his friends are military people, including deployed. So yeah. he like, didn't have a lot of people that he could ask anyway. Um, Like he actually had spent most of his time deployed in Japan. So yeah, I was just like, I can't do that to you. You committed to this a long time ago. So I was unhappy and uh, bitched about it basically the whole way. But I'm (laughs) I'm glad that we did that together because it was, it was, was a pretty fun time. It wasn't as miserable as I thought it was going to be. And like, you could tell Ray's friend was really grateful. His wife was like really sweet. Um, So I'm really glad to have met her. We met his family. We all went out to brunch the next day. So it was a nice trip. And, And I got to see my friend, um, Emily, because her, uh, I always stay at her house and we go into Omaha. So um, it ended up being okay. But that was my big third trimester. Like, I didn't even go see my mom at Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I remember just being so anxious for you. So I was like, oh, boy, like, I just hope that everything stays plugged up and in place. Well, and in terms of how my labor went, we might not have made it to a hospital if we were six hours on the road, because my labor entirely, including pushing, was maybe six or seven hours yeah so (laughs) yeah uh we would have been would have been cutting it real close there (laughs) so um the other thing that we had to do that i did not want to do right before i gave birth was um rafe's family had planned this like top golf outing and top golf is just like it's not my thing i don't like golf I don't know how. Um, it was January and it's an outdoor venue. I mean, they have like little like, you're on these like platform rooms 
<laughs> and it's just like this like game driving range. It's like golf right? Chuck E. Cheese, basically. I yes. I don't yes. understand outdoor it's, golf in Minnesota in the yeah, winter. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It actually, it wasn't that cold. It was one of those days where it was kind of nice. Um, So I was in like a coat and a sweater, but you're in that. So it's like you're in a room with like the wall shaved off, right? So you Mm -hmm. can like hit the balls out into this like big field and they have like, you know, lit up pits where if you hit your ball, you get a certain amount of points. And I ended up like stripping down to my t-shirt. I was like really warm because the rooms are heated. (laughs) Um, And also apparently to rent one, you have to put down like a massive deposit for food so they were like it's a whole family thing we'd really like you guys to come it's gonna be like grandma and like Rafe's aunt and uncle and his cousins and a couple of their friends so it was like a big group of people and I was just like I do not have the energy for this I am massively pregnant I don't even like golf but they need people to help eat their way through this food deposit (laughs) so I guess I'll go eat a bunch of mini donuts (laughs) and like his aunt um Anne was really sweet there that's the thing their whole family's like avid golfers so she like taught me how to golf and I actually had you know it was fun like learning how but the next day I went into labor and so now the whole family's like it's because we took you to top golf we got it going (laughs) yeah sure I'll let you guys take credit for that cool and I will never tell you how much I did not want to (laughs) go oh my gosh that's so funny or maybe it was like the delicious smorgasbord of food that yeah. you helped. Yeah. The baby was like, "Oh, this is on the outside waiting this for is what me." I can have. What? Yes. Yeah, they literally had these donuts where you like order the donuts and then the filling, and they come separately. It's just like it's so over the top, like waste of materials to do this, but it was fun. Where they like the, the filling comes in these like plastic like syringes, like and injectors. then you go like fill your. Own so you donut. take the mini donut and you inject it with chocolate or <laughs> strawberry or whatever. That sounds incredible. <laughs> it was really good. Wow. <laughs> it, it was delicious. It, it was a fun time. <laughs> so you. You're at like what thirty nine weeks around that time. Yeah, that was um, January fourth, and um, on the sixth was literally, or yeah, fifth or sixth was literally like my thirty ninth week. So I was a day away from <laughs> from being thirty nine weeks. And Rafe really loves this part of the story. So um, this again pre COVID, and so every Tuesday night, I think it was two, maybe it was Sunday nights. It was oh my Sunday. Gosh, I, I think I remember. It was Sunday. Yeah. It was Sunday nights. Yeah. Yeah. So it must have been early Monday morning that um, she was born. She was born at like five in the morning. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it was Sunday nights. It's Tuesday nights now. Anyway, Sunday nights, people would come over and we would all watch TV together and we would do a potluck. So Rafe and I would make a main course. Everybody would bring like desserts and sides um, and drinks or whatever. And we would just, you know, hang out for two or three hours, watch a show together. And so we'd like watch through shows. We were watching The Mandalorian at the time. Um, so we had like eight friends over maybe. Um, we're all hanging out in the basement, and we watched the grand or the finale of um, the Mandalorian, which uh, I hope I'm not spoiling anything for anybody. Here's your spoiler warning now: the end of the first season of the Mandalorian. Um, the Mandalorian's been carrying around and protecting uh, Baby Yoda the whole time, and at the very end, he gets his like dad badge, his dad shield, and. Um, and we we're all like, oh, that's such a great show. Good good time, everybody. And everyone left my house. And that was at like 9.45, 9.50. And so I'm like cleaning up plates in the basement. And the dog comes running over to me with his toy. And so I like, I was on my knees on the carpet, like picking some stuff up. And uh, he brings me his toy. And I like sit up on my knees. And I chuck his toy down the hallway. And I peed myself. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what is this? And I, I legit thought I peed myself. And then I was like, oh, oh, no. 
Um, and it was my water breaking. Um, so I called the birth center. But Rafe, Rafe will always be ecstatic about the fact that he and uh, the Mandalorian got their uh, their dad shields the same night. <laughs> so <laughs> he loves that. For Father's Day, I got a matching Mandalorian and Baby Yoda shirts. Oh, oh my um, gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's their, it's their thing. But, yeah, so it was like one minute I had all my friends in my basement. And the next minute I'm like, holy crap, I'm in labor. What do I do? Um, so I'd been going to the Minnesota birth center, um, and working with the midwives. So they had a, you know, they have an on-call line. So I just call them and I'm like, hi, I'm in labor. And they were like, all right, great. The midwife will call you. And that was at 10 o'clock, almost 10 o'clock on the dot. And by 10 30, I'm like, I've had no contractions. Nothing has happened. I'm a little bit panicking and nobody's called me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was also, um, uh, strep B positive. So they were like, oh, as soon as you go into labor, like you need to get an antibiotic right away. Mm So I finally called him back and I was like, hi, <laughs> I'm in labor. Still and they were like, oh, okay. Uh, and I was like, um, yeah, I just, I never got a call. And they were like, oh, really? Um, so they're like, I don't know, must have sent the alert again or something. And in the next few minutes, the midwife calls me and she's like, I'm so sorry. I was in the middle of another birth. <laughs> so this poor woman has had a very busy night, but her other birth just ended. And she's like, come in and get your antibiotic right away. So the birth center is not too far from us. So we get there like around 11 o'clock or so. Um, they do the dose for, uh, it's just like an IV um, for like half an hour, they sent me home and she's like, okay, you have to do this every four hours because that's how long it lasts. So you have to do that every four hours and, until you give birth, basically. So they're like, we'll slot you for um, 3.30, come back at 3.30, um, we'll give you another dose. And so you'll probably be done around four. So we'll have you come in again around like 7.30 or 8. And by then the, the midwife in the morning will be on call and she'll probably have you stay. And then you'll just, you know, you'll do the rest of your labor at the birth center. I'm like, great, sounds great. And she was like, in the meantime, you know, just enjoy it. Like, you'll get contractions. They'll be every once in a while. And just do something to keep your mind off it. Like, try and get some sleep if you can. But um, do something to keep your mind off it until until you can't anymore is, is really kind of like what to watch out for. You know, bake something, read a book. I'm sure you eat something. Um, but really, like, try to get some sleep. And I'm like... Okay, this sounds awesome. I've just been given permission to go home and eat and read a book. Amazing. I'll be back in four hours. <laughs> so we're like, we're driving home and Rafe goes, hey, so it might be a long night. I'm going to get some Taco Bell. Do you want anything? And I was like, you know what? Oh, I think that was my first contraction. Taco Bell sounds terrible. No, thanks. I don't want any. And also we'd eaten dinner. Like we'd eaten potluck. I'd had a massive amount of pasta like two hours before. So I was like, I think I'm set on food. I'll make sure I eat something after my next dose, you know, before it gets bad. Nope. Don't want any Taco Bell. So we stop at Taco Bell and like in the Taco Bell line, I'm like, oh, that's another contraction. But it's only been like three minutes. Aren't they supposed to be coming like every 50 to 20 minutes right now? Like early labor, isn't it supposed to be like four times an hour. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's the same contraction. It, was, it wasn't the same contraction. <laughs> um, and I was like, that seems pretty close together, but oh yeah, they're not like unbearable. Okay. Okay. That's a contraction I feel like. Um, so we get home and I've had like two or three contractions. By the time we get home, we're nine minutes away from the birth center. So we get home and it's, it's probably pretty close. It's like in the vicinity of midnight and Rafe's like, look, I want to be there for you. Wake me up as soon as you need me. Do whatever you want. I, you should go to sleep. And I was like, eh, I probably won't sleep right now. I'm, I'm a night owl. I usually don't go to bed before midnight anyway. And I was like, I don't want to have to wake up in three hours. Um, so he was like, do you mind if I nap? And I was like, no, you go nap. Then I can go read a book. This will be awesome. So Rafe goes to bed around midnight. And I, like, labor start, like, kicked in. 
And so by like 1230, one o'clock, I, I, so I like, I'm, you know, I'm walking around my house. I'm like doing the little like exercises that they've showed us in classes. Like, oh, you can like do, you know, like kind of the yoga, like cat cow kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like leaning up, you know, like breathing through the contraction and like leaning up against, um, I have a ledge on my, and you know, like a, a half rail, like divider, room divider. So I was like leaning on that and like walking my legs through the contractions, um, and I sit on the couch to read and I am, I am, I'm having contractions every few minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck does she mean? Read a book <laughs> during this. How does anyone concentrate on anything? And what I should have recognized was she also said, until you can't and realized I was already at the point where I can't, but I'm going on all of my like birth classes stuff where it's like, yeah, early labor can last a really long time. Mm -hmm. So expect it to last, you know, like be ready for it to last a long time. Yeah. And I basically had no early labor at all. <laughs> like, I never had a contraction that was less than five minutes apart. Um, and they weren't lasting for a really long time, but they were very frequent. So I'm, like, walking around my house, and I'm, like, doing this for a couple of hours. And somewhere around, like, 1 o'clock, I'm, like, bath. I'm going to get in the bath. <laughs> and I have a really small bathtub. But, you know, it's still, it's a bathtub. I filled it with hot water. I put bubble bath in it. And I sat in the bath. I'm, like, this feels great. And, like, within 10 or 15 minutes, I'm trying to text my my doula I, I texted her let her know and so she'd been texting me a couple of times like oh let me know when you're headed to the birth center I'll meet you there um and I was like well we're due back at 3 30 so you know I'll, I'll hit you up with with updates then she's like how far apart are your contractions right now and so I tried to time them like I had my phone in the bath with me and I was like this isn't helping anymore this hot water doesn't help I am just in pain and I'm mm -hmm. trying to I am trying to time my contractions and I can't. I can't tell mm -hmm. when one stops and the other starts because I'm a giant ball of pain. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't do this. And I got so mad that I chucked my phone across the bathroom because I was just so pissed. I didn't know when to stop and start the timer. And all I could think of was my mom, who um, also with me apparently had a very fast labor and was in the car with a stopwatch, you know, in 1987 in the front seat of a car driving to the hospital, trying to time these damn contractions and throwing the stopwatch in the back seat. And her not only telling me that story, but also telling me like, warn all your midwives, you're going to have a really fast labor because I had really fast labor. Mm -hmm. And I had told one of the midwives that, and she was like, that's good to keep in mind. Genetics is definitely a thing, but the father's genetics are just as much of a thing. So you could have a really fast labor like your mom, but don't expect it mm -hmm. because the likelihood of that is like nobody knows. You yeah. know, like she was like, I have a twin sister and we had completely opposite labor experiences. So you just don't know. Yeah. I know your mom is like trying to help you by telling you her experience, but like you can't count on that. And it's um, also turns better out, to prepare for a long birth and have exactly. a short birth than the other way around. Yep, exactly. Like, like um, my friend, my best friend, my best friend up here was pregnant at the same time that I was. She gave birth in April. She was in early labor for like 78 hours. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> so she had the exact opposite experience for me. Um, but yeah, it turns out mine was exactly like my mom. My mom just had to be right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there I am in the bathtub checking my phone across the room because I can't time it. I have no concept of what time it was at this point, but this is all happening between midnight and 3 a.m. Because I like I get out of the bath and I am butt naked, like uh, up to the waist in bubble bath. And I am just like, I just start like walking up and down my hallway moaning. Because <laughs> that's all I can do. So I'm like this sad, naked ghost in my house. Raven's asleep. 
does not occur, does not occur to me to go wake him up because I'm like, Rafe needs sleep. This is still early labor. I need him to help me through the hard part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So oh I'm going to let him gosh. sleep. And also I'm like, oh, my God, if this isn't the hard part, holy shit, what am coming. I doing? <laughs> and it turns out I'm like basically in transition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so which I should have figured out when I like nothing helps and I hit the point where this is what they tell you in class. They're like transition is the point where people have that feeling where they're like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I hit that. I'm like, I found myself in the bathroom. I'm counting down the minutes till three o'clock when I can wake Rafe up and we can get in the car and go to the birth center because I just want to get in their giant deep bath. That's all I want. I don't want a water birth, but I wanted to labor in the bathtub in a bathtub that fit me with somebody there to like rub my back. (laughs) So I was like, I'm just counting down until 3 a.m. What I should have done, waking him up way earlier. But I did not know. This is, I did not realize I was in transition at this point. But it's finally 3 a.m. And I, I've managed to get a shirt on and a sweatshirt. And I look down at my sweatpants, which are like puddled on the floor. I shed them hours ago, probably to get in the bath. And I'm looking at them and I was like, I can't reach down and pick those up. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't put them on myself. And I was like, Rave, help me put my pants on. <laughs> And um, so I got my sweatpants on. We got my, my bag was already packed. So we got everything in the car and my car has um, butt warmers in the seats, which amazing. But I immediately felt better and I thought it was the butt warmer. But then I realized as we were getting on the highway and I'm like help, helping Rafe navigate, like we'd practice the route because again, he does not have his driver's license and I can't drive myself in labor. So he is driving. <laughs> and I was just like, thank God there's no snowstorm because it's January in Minnesota. And um, the birth center has like, it's in this part of St. Paul that like has a lot of windy roads and a lot of like really steep hills. So I was like, oh my God, if there was snow, we'd literally have to call my father-in-law to come get us because I would not, I would not want Rafe to be driving in it. I wouldn't want to be driving in it. <laughs> um, but anyway, clear. It's 3 a.m. There's no traffic on the highway. Like couldn't ask for better driving conditions, I guess. Um, but I'm in the front seat and I'm like, oh okay, I feel like I can breathe again. And I get another contraction and I'm like, oh, whoa, Rafe, that one wanted me to push. (laughs) Um, Like I could feel the difference. That one wanted me to push. And it was bearable and it was painful, but it was a pushing contraction. And he's like, what does that mean? (laughs) And I was like, it means we have to get there really soon. But oh like, it's gosh. only a few minutes away. So um, we get to the birth center and she answers the door. She's expecting us. She told us to come in at 3.30. It's the same woman I talked to on the phone earlier who had the birth right before me. And she was like, oh, okay, let's get you hooked up to the IV. And I'm like standing there like with a pillow to my face like, oh. And Rafe's like, um, I think she's like closer than we think. And she's like, oh, really? Um, okay, we'll come in. We'll, we'll give you a check. We'll, we'll check you out. We'll check your dilation. And so um, she checks and she's like, Wow. You are gone. Okay. We'll get this IV in your arm right now. Um, I'm going to go fill the bath. It takes a couple minutes to prep the room. Just stay here. I'm going to hook you up. Um, so I'm like hooked up to this IV and I'm just like, sit- we have this great picture of me and it's just like, you can see my legs in sweatpants, like in this like big leather armchair and you see my legs and then I'm just like holding a pillow and my face is buried in the pillow. You can't see any of my body. You can see my arms hugging the pillow. You can barely see the top of my head. And I just like, you can see my forehead and like my eyebrows just like, like clearly like scrunched up, just like 
grimacing, but you can't see any of the rest of my face, just my eyebrows. And it's so funny to look at because you're like, oh, yeah, that is right before birth. Oh, my gosh. Can you send us that for our Instagram? Or just me? Oh, yeah, I, I will. See it. We don't have to share Oh, yeah. No, I, I can totally send you that picture. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So I, I got my um, – they, they had me hooked up to the IV to get my, my second antibiotic. She went – she was like, I'm going to go fill the tub for you right now. But it's a really deep tub, so it takes a while. Um, so when they were ready, I wheeled my – IV thing into the, um, I believe it was Barbara. I can't remember. They have three rooms and they all have names, like women's names. Um, I can't remember which one we were in. Doesn't matter. Um, anyway, so while they were finishing filling the bath, I labored on the toilet for a little while. Um, and that was actually nice because they have like a really high toilet. Mm -hmm. I had labored on my toilet. I Oh, I vomited. I vomited a lot. I like forget about half the stuff that happened while I was at my house because mm -hmm. it was just like, Everything was happening at once, and I was such a ball of pain that, like, my brain forgot it so that I'll do it again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I definitely threw up because I remember being like, oh, there goes all my spaghetti. Uh, <laughs> definitely threw up. Definitely pooped. Uh, like, so, but this was, like, a much nicer, like, structured toilet where it, like, felt good to kind of, like, bear down on. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was able to get in the bath once I filled up the bath, and it felt so good because it's deep enough that you sit in it. It goes all the way up to your shoulders. Oh, my doula had finally managed to show up. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I almost missed it. <laughs> um, we were, she was one of the volunteer doulas with the birth center, um, which is really nice. They have like a volunteer doula program where it's doulas in training and then it's only $300. Um, so it's a really affordable doulas as long as you're willing to take somebody in training. And this woman was amazing. She was a really great personality fit. Her daughter was somehow involved. I think her daughter was in training to be a midwife and encouraged her mom to do doula stuff. Um, so she was really enthusiastic and, and really sweet. So it was really awesome to have her there. But she showed up and like started rubbing my back with lotion, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, and this bath just felt great. But uh, while I was pushing, they noticed that the baby's heart rate dropped. Um, and she, it turns out like, so she had her hand up at her face. Mm -hmm. um, and so she got kind of wedged under my pelvis. Mm -hmm. So I was in the bath where like, eight minutes and then I had to get out of the bath oh, no. <laughs> they made me get out of the bath and I was just like no but they were just like it's not safe for the baby so obviously I got out of the bath and I you know I really wanted the birth center experience because I wanted the freedom to move around be in the shower be on the birth ball be on the stool like whatever felt good at the time um you know I like Colleen mentioned on one of the um uh one of the episodes a couple weeks back I guess like you know, I read all of the hippy dippy shit. Like I read all of the midwife books and like, um, so I was really into that experience and I really loved all the midwives at the birth center and I was looking for that experience, but I ended up giving birth on my back, um, <laughs> because that's just how it worked out best. Um, so I was on the bed a little bit. I did like all, like all fours. Um, and then the position that ended up working the best was I laid on my back and I was like supported by these amazing pillows and Rafe was on one side and my doula was on the other and they each held a foot like I had my legs in the air and they held one of my feet and they pushed my knees back towards me mm -hmm. so like so basically putting me in a crouching position but I'm laying on my back and they're like putting all this pressure on my legs so it was like this counter push that actually is hands down the only reason why I was able to like give birth by myself was because I had these two people because it wasn't by myself because I had two people like counter pushing on me mm -hmm. because at this point um, it was probably close to five in the morning. Um, so we got to the birth center like just before three thirty. So I actually like, you know, I probably started getting the pushing contractions right around three, probably right around four, managed to like get in the bath and was like trying all these different things. So, wow, um, so you were having pushing contractions for like over two hours, two hours. That's yeah. So I, I had pushing contractions 
almost as long as I went through early regular and transition labor, (laughs) like the three stages of labor (laughs) I had for three hours. Well, I guess, I mean, it technically it started with my water breaking at 10 o'clock, but I did not actually get any contractions or have any other symptoms of labor until Mm -hmm. almost midnight. Um, you know, when we were on our way home and stopping at Taco Bell, um, and then it just like whirlwind three hours, 12 to three. And then at three started getting those pushing contractions on the way. And she was born at five forty-two. So, but in this last hour, I'm like, I'm laying on the bed and they're like counter pushing on me. I am so exhausted. Mm-hmm. I have not slept. Mm-hmm. I never slept um, because labor started as soon as I got home, like intensely yeah. where I could not rest at all. I had thrown up all of my dinner and hadn't eaten anything. Mm-hmm. They put me on oxygen. Like they gave me an oxygen mask, which I did not remember until they showed me pictures later. I was looking at pictures. Um, the doula was really awesome. She took a bunch of pictures at the very end and it was amazing. Uh, but I'm like, oh my God, I have an oxygen mask on my face. And I was like, I feel like I kind of remember that, but I did not remember it until I saw the pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at one point, the uh, the midwife was like, you know what, let's try the birthing stool. It might help if you're able to like use gravity to kind of bear down. Mm-hmm. And Rafe told me later, like he thought at the time, like that I was too tired to do that. But yeah. he didn't say it. He was like, I'm going to listen to the midwife, which bless his heart. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, so we did and we tried it. And after a little while, I was like, it was actually better to be on the bed. And she's like, okay, we'll do yeah. what you want. So we got, we did that. Um, and, and that really, really helped in those, in those final minutes. And the other thing that really helped, um, I mean, the reason why it took so long is because she was wedged. So they really had to like work her shoulder out. Did um, they before... know she was wedged? Um, they guessed. Okay. So when the heartbeat dropped and we had to get out and then once like further along when they could like see more and she could kind of like stick her hand in, mm-hmm. she was like, we've got a shoulder here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, but that when I was in the bath, they were like, we think she might be wedged. And that's why, cause, cause they were like, your labor was moving so quickly. Your contractions are really strong. Like you've been pushing a lot and you, we should be moving along further. Yeah. And, and so there's something that's keeping her from moving along. Yeah. Um, so, so they, they knew and then they were able to confirm, but, um, Basically, at the at the very end, they were like, "Her head's right there." Can you? Because I felt like nothing was going anywhere, totally, anytime, totally. and every time they're like, "Push again," and I'm like, "I can't, I can't." I'm so exhausted. Um, but uh, I, I, they were like, "You can feel her head; it's out." And I could like, and it was it was right there, mm-hmm. you know. And I was so surprised by it; like, gave me like renewed vigor, you know. And yeah. So like within ten minutes of that, she she was out. Um, and it was, it was fantastic. Like that first moment, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just like the, like going from just like excruciating exhaustion to all of a sudden there's a baby on my chest. And I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I could like suddenly like my whole body registered again. Cause everything was, everything was focused on pushing and just like yep. concentrating on pushing. And then all of a sudden, like I could feel my whole, like my arms were trembling, you know, I'm sure it was like adrenaline and mm-hmm. tired, you know, exhaustion, but like I could, I registered like my breathing, like taking, <gasps> you know, um, but yeah, um, it was, it was really great. And they helped me, they had like this wedge pillow thing. So they helped her, like she snuffled around and like was able to latch. And so we nursed a little bit and then I just passed the fuck out. <laughs> just fell I fell asleep, um, <laughs> uh, for a little while, um, and then the other nice thing about the birth center, maybe nice, maybe not. I guess it kind of depends on your preference for experience. Um, but the birth center, uh, like, differs from the hospital in that they don't make you stay. And, in fact, the opposite, they kick you out unless there's a reason. Because they're like, 
you and the baby should be at home. You should be comfortable where you are. So we'll keep you as long as you need to rest. Um, and then there's a point that's like 12 hours or something like that. If you need care beyond 12 hours, then we send you over to the hospital mm -hmm. um, because you're beyond, you know, our services as midwives. But otherwise, um, they keep you, I think, for four hours after the birth minimum, mm -hmm. four to six hours, depending on how much rest the mom needs. And, and then they send you home. So um, she was born at 5.42 a.m. I slept for a few hours. I woke up. Um, and they give you a, a bath and they give you a bath with this like giant tea bag that has like chamomile and all this like wonderful things in it. Like this is my new go-to gift for baby showers for the moms is I, the birth center sells them for like four bucks and it's just this little tea bag, this huge tea bag that's probably like slightly larger than a softball and it feels amazing. And they're like, it's good for like, you know, four to six baths. So take it home with you and like re-steep a bath in hot water um, but it's like, it's like witch hazel and stuff in there too. Oh, so, so it really helps like healing. with the healing. It stuff. helps with healing. Yeah. And it just felt, it felt so amazing because it, it was very sore. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I like took a nice deep ba bath and they make you bread. <laughs> they make you a, a loaf of bread and they bring it to you with like butter and honey. Oh my gosh. And oh they were like, gosh. eat something, eat something, <laughs> eat something. And I was just like, I just want to sit in this bath. So they kept trying to make me eat this delicious bread and I would take like two bites and then I'd like fall back asleep. So I think they were trying to make me eat bread actually before I fell asleep. Like when, when uh, Rosie was first nursing um, and I was just like, no, I want to sleep. They kept trying to make me eat food. Um, Rafe's parents showed up at some point with bagels. Yeah. And then we just got dressed and we went home. So we were headed home by 10 o'clock um, in the morning. Um, so like four hours later, just over four hours later, we stopped at Target on our way home. Um, they told me to pick up a laxative. So I did. So that was baby's first trip to Target. Oh. She was, she was five hours old. <laughs> Oh my gosh, like thinking about the pandemic now, like I can't imagine taking a newborn into oh Target. Oh my like, God, whatsoever. right? Yeah, yeah. It was like baby's first trip to Target. And then like that that whole first month, I think actually that was like, Target is like two minutes from us. It's mm -hmm. right down the street. So um, while I was recovering, that was our trip out of the house. Your outing, yeah. <laughs> you know, like Rafe and I would like, because the Target has a Starbucks in it. So we would just drive over to Target. We'd like put the baby in her little seat and then we'd get her out. We'd put her in the little like carry thing or we'd just like unclip the, the car seat bassinet thing and put it in the cart. And we'd go to Target and we'd go get some Starbucks <laughs> and just like walk around Target for a couple minutes. Sometimes we wouldn't even buy, any buy anything and then we'd go home. Because it was January. We live by a lot of like really nice um, walking paths, mm -hmm. but um, they get kind of like iced over. Yeah snowed over because they don't like consistently plow them um so people keep walking on them and it just gets like crushed down until it's really slick so like i can't walk there with a baby mm -hmm. um and the sidewalks are you know like some people clear their sidewalks really well and some people don't so um yeah we would walk around target inside go for little family walks and then pandemic and luckily the pandemic was like mid-march and it was at least nice enough that we like push her in a stroller around the yard mm -hmm. you know so um yeah it was a crazy year but yeah we got home and they send the um the nurse within 24 hours. So the next morning she showed up to do a checkup, like did all the blood draws and stuff. The one major thing was after going home from the birth center, we could not, I could not get her to latch again. Like could, could not get her to latch. And she was jaundiced. So we had this whole, I forgot about, oh my God, I forgot about this. My mom was in town. My mom showed up the next day. So she was trying to help me, but she's not from around here. She doesn't know any of my doctors. I don't have a doctor. Um, we'd lined up a pediatrician, but I didn't have any kids and they like, don't let you schedule an appointment until your baby's born. But like, um, the blood test that they ran after the nurse showed up and like took the blood test, they were like, she has high bilirubin levels. You need to get a Billy blanket. Uh, we can't 
write a prescription for it. You need your pediatrician too. Mm-hmm. So I called my pediatrician, but it, by that time, by the time we had like found out, I'd gone to the birth center for a lactation appointment because I couldn't get her to latch. And they were like, she really needs to drink breast milk because that's how you get rid of bilirubin. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like pressure because I can't, because I can't breastfeed. We're giving her formula. Um, have to get this stupid billy blanket. And so we called the pediatrician's office. It's like just after hours. And they're like, we can't prescribe that without ever seeing the child. And I'm like, I have a nurse that says it needs prescribed. I just yeah. need someone give me this thing. <laughs> but it's after hours. Yeah. And and so like the after hours clinic called me and I'm like, oh my God, can I bring this baby? And they're like, okay, well, how old's your child? And I'm like, a day. And they were like, we don't see children that young. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Somebody so- give me this goddamn blanket. <laughs> so- and they're like, they're like, you have to go to the emergency room. I'm like, oh what do you mean God. I have to go to the emergency room? <laughs> They're going to charge me a buttload of money, and I already know what I need. So we called the birth center again, and I forget who else. I can't remember. I think it was a midwife, but it was a midwife who's like, more familiar with some of this stuff. And she's like, look, the numbers where you're falling is technically in the high risk, but um, we'll – I think they did another test. Gosh, this was also long ago. But it was um, – Basically, they were like, the trajectory that she's on, she should be okay. Make sure she stays in the sun and you're giving her a lot of formula. And we're like, um, I think we tested her again. And like she, when she tested again, it was like in the moderate risk. So they were like, she's on her way down. So mm-hmm. she's technically still in moderate risk, but it's it's going down at a rate where she will be fine at the point where it's like, you know, it's not ever going to be critical. Mm-hmm. So you can get away with not doing this billy blanket. So we were kind of like, what do we do? Do we wait till our actual doctor is open? It was like in, in another day or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can get her in to have someone look at her and give her the blanket. Or do we go to the emergency room? And we decided to like hold off. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just giving her formula. She still won't latch. So I'm like really stressed out. Cause I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I'm killing my baby. by not getting this dumb, whatever this light thing is. I've never heard of bilirubin before. Yeah. I know what jaundice is, but I like, had never experienced it and you can tell like she's like yellow yeah (laughs) and I I didn't notice at the time but looking back at pictures of those first couple days she is yellow um (laughs) poor baby baby. and also because she was born with her hand in front of her face she's like her head like cocks to the side Mm -hmm. um like anytime she's in her car seat or just laying down like she always cocks her head to the same side and so the midwives were like look um, you might want to go see a baby chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one who comes to the birth center on Wednesdays, so she'll be in this week. You should have you should have her look at her. Yeah. And so, like, this first couple days are just a whirlwind of, like, yeah. do we go to the emergency room, have a bunch of lactation appointments because she won't fucking latch to my yeah. boob. Um, <laughs> going I'm... to the baby chiropractor. The baby chiropractor was awesome. She's a wonderful woman. Um, I would highly recommend her, and I'm always – I've always been suspicious of like chiropractic stuff because mm-hmm. I'm just like, ah, this feels like pseudo doctors, yeah. which I feel bad. No offense to chiropractors out there because I went to this one and she's really amazing. I really liked her and it, I think the work definitely helped Yeah, because there was, after we did um, a few, several appointments, like there's a noticeable difference in her head and I, I cannot say one way or the other if she would have just grown out of it anyway, mm-hmm. but she went from like literally her head always cocked to the side and I have these early pictures to she is straight, straight as an arrow now. So yeah. I think the adjustments really helped. Um, and my the midwife suggested it. Yeah. My understanding and experience just anecdotally with chiropractors is like some of them are really amazing. And then some yeah. of them are just don't do fucking thing. And so I don't think yeah. it's like truly a pseudoscience in the sense that there's nothing to it. But I think mm-hmm. there's it may be there's some have really great training and some have really shitty training. Like it's yep, not I, I think that's right. across the board. 
I, I, I think that's right. And I think, you know, just like any profession, there's differences in approach and philosophy. Yeah. And I'm glad that there was one kind of essentially part-time in residence at the birth center. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cause that was kind of her specialty. She's like, I do child chiropractic, but I, I, or chiro, I don't know what, I don't know what it's called. Um, <laughs> chiropractic work. Yeah. Um, uh, but she's like, and I do it for mothers too. So it's really good. Like we can get you all in the same place. Um, and we just don't think about what, you know, pregnancy and labor does to our bodies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got a couple adjustments from her too, and it felt really great. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell that I like stand straighter, but it definitely relieved some back pain, mm-hmm. um, from like. Because I had I had some back and neck pain. She called it nursing neck, you know, from like hunching. Oh over yeah, you're always crouched over. Your baby. So that felt that did feel really good. So I went to a couple of my own chiropractic appointments too. And that's the other nice thing about uh, giving birth in January is you hit that deductible right away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the rest of the year to go to chiro like my chiropractic appointments were like three dollars a pop with my copay. <laughs> um, and I also did um, physical therapy because I had um, diastasis recti. I mm-hmm. had the separated abs. Um, so I went and saw somebody that the chiropractor recommended and I really liked her. So and those were like 10 bucks. Um, I think they're probably $100 um, without being covered. So but yeah, first week um, is crazy, which it is even if Insane. literally nothing is happening. It's still a whirlwind because you're like, oh, my God, this yes. baby needs constant care. And I'm exhausted. Yep. And, and we really were. We were probably going to two appointments a day trying to yeah. trying to figure out all That's this stuff. Mostly so mostly much. the breastfeeding. Yeah. The jaundice was OK. Um, the jaundice ended up being OK. And it was really because we happened to have a nice like there's not a lot of sun in Minnesota in January. But the couple days that we had were sunny. Mm-hmm. So I would just set up um, my my living room windows are full west. So I still had my Christmas tree up. I would just sit in my little armchair next to the Christmas tree and hold the baby in my lap, like on her tummy and just let the sun shine on her back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Rafe would. Uh, yeah. So we finally like with a lot of help from the lactation consultants and I will at least at the birth center because I've heard about poor exp- experiences with lactation nurses, too. But um, the birth center lactation consultants were fabulous. Like, number one, the woman that came to my house the, the day after was helping me. She showed me how to do it with a um, with a nipple shield. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate the nipple shields. They are stupid and inconvenient and they don't stay on. But for like two weeks, that was the only way my child would fucking nurse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I like had this like I can't even call it a love hate relationship because it was a hate relationship, but it was a necessity yeah. um, with these stupid nipple shields. And then one day she finally was just like, oh, yeah, I can breastfeed. Cool. And mm-hmm. like didn't need them anymore. Whereas I was like, I can't go anywhere because I have to carry these dumb things in my purse. I can't like I can't subtly nurse with just like my shirt up and the try because I have to like hold my shirt like over my shoulder and mm-hmm. hold the baby and then hold the nipple shield onto my boob with my hand while holding the baby's head. There's not enough hands. <laughs> Yeah, not enough hands. So there's no way I could do this in public, you know, mm-hmm. um, if I was like at the store or something and she needs to nurse. So I just didn't go anywhere, which is fine. You don't need to go anywhere. Stay on the couch. That's what I did. I stayed on the couch and watched television. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the, the but the lactation nurses at, at the birth center were, were amazing. I was going in like every few days and they were really helping me. Um, and, and it was great. And even after she did start latching, they still had me come in like once a week and just like checked up on everything and would weigh her. So that support was invaluable yeah um my mom had come up like the day after so she was actually there she was there to drive me to the chiropractic appointment and to like all these doctor's appointments and to to and from the birth center for um uh for lactation appointments so it was really nice having my mom there i was a little bit leery about having her come up but she was also 
indispensable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because she just took all, took care of all the logistics. She made a bunch of the phone calls for me when we yeah. were trying to figure out what to do with this stupid Billy blanket. Yeah. So Which, yeah, pre having a baby, you would be like, "Why do I need someone to make a phone call for me?" That's ridiculous. Oh yeah. But then yep. after you have one, you're like, literally, both my hands are full at all times, and then I don't want to wake up this baby by having yeah. a, a phone call. And your brain is just fried. And your brain. So is I was like. Fried. Yeah, I'm trying to contact this pediatrician, and they're like, um, Dr. McConnell's never seen this child before. And I'm like, no, she was born a day ago. Yeah, assholes. And, and That's like, how it works well, we when can't... they're brand new. Fucking yeah, idiots. and they're like, well, we can't do anything for a child we haven't seen. And I'm like, but somebody told me my child needs help, so I need someone to see my child. I made an appointment for her, like, months ago, but you wouldn't let me make it official until after she's born. But now suddenly, when she's born, I need help. So I just, like, I don't understand why, like, they're, and they're not the only ones, right? Like, also, yeah. there's the insurance stuff, right? Where, mm-hmm. like, um, or, and your leave stuff. You know, you have to, like, give them a date. And then after you give birth, you have to, like, call the oh leave God. people and be like, hey, this is when I gave birth. So this is when my leave officially starts. And you have to email your boss. Like, I emailed my boss at 1030 at night, like, um, hi, I'm going into labor. I'm headed to the birth <laughs> center now. Won't be in this week. Sorry, because it's like a Sunday night. So it's just, like, all this stuff that you have to do. As or immediately after this major event that yep. leaves you completely exhausted yeah. in body and mind. And I just don't understand why you can't put these things in place ahead of time. <laughs> I know. You can't do any of it ahead of time. Like, not allowed, not allowed, not allowed. Yeah. And then, like, the week after, there's, like, you have to yeah. do this and that's insurance the other thing. thing. And their social you security can't do card. And two months after. You have to do it in the next, like, two weeks. Yes. <laughs> oh, like, my God. Can you give so me stressful. some time to sleep a little bit? And then I can think about all this stupid paperwork. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to share one little part of the story that's about me because I love myself so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had told me, I think you had texted me to tell me you were in labor. Yeah, I think I did. you must have because I knew you were in labor, but the baby wasn't here yet necessarily. Yeah. So the next morning at work, Beth was like, oh, Adrian's in labor and whatever. And but I got to be the one to tell everyone because then you texted me a picture of her and she was I born. I did. So I got to be the one to be like, I'm in the know. I know that she had the baby. And her name's Rosalind and she's the cutest. And here's a picture. So I was like. Pretty much like an obsessive grandmother at that point, like showing off my grandbaby that's not my grandbaby. So that was like super fun for me. And everyone was like, oh, just like thought she was the cutest and whatever. So thank you for that. That was really fun. I didn't even know that part of the story. I mean, I guess I could have guessed it because I did text you, but that's awesome. I'm glad you got to break the news because I sent Beth an email later, like much later, like a couple days later, I Mm -hmm. think, with a picture and an email. But um, yeah, I texted you like as soon as I had pictures, I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, Colleen also showed up at my house um, within a couple of weeks with um, a bag of popcorn that I'm pretty sure I ate the entire thing while Colleen was still sitting there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I tell you what, my appetite came rip roaring back yep. <laughs> right after pregnancy. Yeah, I was so hungry all the time. It's hard to oh, imagine man. being that hungry after like in pregnancy. You're just like, uh, food. I need it, but it also makes me feel sick and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. then to imagine being going to the opposite, where you're like, I need three thousand calories like per hour. Yeah, and that was the other major thing. Like during the third trimester, um, like my appetite really came back in the second trimester. Where the first trimester, I wasn't nauseous, but I didn't want to eat a bunch. And part of the first trimester, I didn't want to eat a bunch because I was still sad. Like I wasn't depressed, but I was just like I didn't have the joy in eating things. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm also pregnant, so I have like the vague like aversions to stuff. So I just didn't eat a lot the first trimester. And then the second trimester, I was like, oh, food. 
And then third trimester, I expected that because I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm still making a baby here. I still need more calories. I'm going to start making milk. And, um, but your stomach's so small that mm-hmm. I just like eat a little bit and be like, mm, I'm so full. I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm done. <laughs> so, yeah, the relationship with food was very interesting. Yeah. Know. So, but. okay. So it's your home. It's those first couple months before the pandemic. And that's like, it's winter. So you're not getting out a ton, but you're getting out to Target. That's going fine. And then, and then what happens when like, we start to get in that week where it's like, oh, do we have to close everything? Oh, everything is closed. Yeah. So that that was feel like to you. That was super weird. So the hardest part was um, family stuff, because Mm -hmm. my mom, uh, it was first grandbaby on both sides. My in laws are building a house right now. um, And in the interim, got an apartment in Woodbury. That's literally like 12 minutes from our house. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> uh, Rafe's parents were over all the time. She'd like drop off meals and stuff and she'd come hang out with the baby or she'd come hang out so I could go like, um, work out. Like I wouldn't do heavy workouts, but I really wanted to get back out of the house and I wanted to like get back to the Y cause I kind of missed my yoga class. So in the first couple of months, like, you know, by the end of February, she'd come over so I could go to yoga for an hour, um, mm-hmm. at the YMCA. Um, when I wasn't, you know, afraid of the gym and people breathing on me heavily. And uh, my parents, my mom came up right after she was born. They came up two weeks later. They had plane tickets for March and April and June. And <laughs> like all ready to travel. And our, we have um, uh, another couple up here that we're really good friends with. And they were also pregnant. I mentioned her earlier. She's the one that was in labor for a really long time. Um, but she and I kind of did our pregnancies together and I mean, not intentionally, but it was nice to have somebody going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so she was just a few months behind me. They had their baby at the end of April. So Annie and Matthew would come over and, um, we would do, you know, we would just play wingspan at the kitchen table. Like we'd have little game nights or movie nights where it was just super chill because Annie was in her third trimester and was like, you know, like tired and lumbering around. And so she would literally come over in her like flannel onesie and we'd just hang out on the couch and I would have and she she would literally be like is it okay if I'm in my pajamas and we're like yeah sure don't care so she would come over in those and um you know they would hold the baby which was like um once they had their baby like we didn't hold each other's babies until probably this spring like after we were vaccinated Mm -hmm. like we just couldn't hug each other's babies um and so they would come over all the time keep us company so they were kind of like you know our our social support where we didn't feel completely isolated from the rest of the world um and then they were coming over for dinner and it was like it was when they'd announced the quarantine was going to start like that friday at um midnight or whatever that Mm -hmm. everything was going to like actively shut down Mm -hmm. and um yeah we we like we're eating dinner together and we were like, should we even be together? Like the quarantine's going to start tonight. We yeah. had to like make sure they had to make sure that they were home yeah. um, before, before it started. Um, so we just like ate dinner together and we we're like, see you guys in a several weeks, I guess. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that was the tail end of March. Is that right? Like March? Yeah. It was like mid March, like second to third yeah. week of March where it was like, we kind of were figuring out what's happening. And then all of a sudden it was, yeah, because it was like right after I think it was right after St. Patrick's Day, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Because um, we had a super like for St. Patrick's Day, we usually go to um, we we volunteer all the time or used to volunteer all the time with uh, Finnegan's mm-hmm. Brewery, which is like a nonprofit brewery in downtown Minneapolis. So we'd, we would usually like go with them and their parents to Finnegan's and like have some beer. Um, and we just, you know, just the two of us and the baby and split a stout on the deck. <laughs> um, and then I think it was that, you know, it was probably like a two 
Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe. And then that Friday, maybe, or the Friday afterwards. Gosh, all the time running together. But yeah, it was crazy. And we would like, um, during quarantine, we didn't go out at all. But after it was lifted, we would meet each other and uh, wear masks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would like walk outside and we would only meet outside. Like they wouldn't go to our house. We wouldn't go to their house. They would just like come over. And we'd like walk this trail by my house. We'd all wear masks outside. Um, so all of a sudden it was like really weird where our friends, we were like, we're not sure if our friends are safe. Yeah. And, um, you know, Rafe's parents, we didn't see them for a little while. Um, they ended up being like, once we kind of started figuring stuff out, they ended up being kind of like our COVID pod mm-hmm. where we would see them masked at first. Uh, but my parents couldn't come up at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt so bad. I felt so bad. Um, we did. We did drive down and see them, I think, like, the first week of May. And I was so anxious. We had to drive through Iowa. Mm-hmm. And it was it was May. May of 2020. And Iowa did not have a mask mandate. Yeah. yeah. And they had yeah. no rules. And, like, we'd be <laughs> driving down the highway. And there'd be, like, one of those, um, like, electric billboards, you know, that, like, you know, the, the Department of Transportation always has up that has, uh-huh. like, you know, road closures and whatever. And it was just, like, we strongly, re- we strongly request you wear a mask. And it's just, like, fake people. Just fake people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah we did drive down to st louis and we saw my parents for a couple of days we basically just hung out at their house we didn't go anywhere just hung out in their yard got to let grandma see it but it was it was really hard on my mom and i and i feel bad and it was it was probably like harder on me than it could have been because i actually would have been grateful for her to come up and help out with stuff and that was the plan like she was going to come up once a month for three to five days every time and just like help me with Um, you know, like vacuuming the stairs and chores that I don't even like doing normally, let alone with a newborn and breastfeeding Yeah. (laughs) Um, and like helping with meals and stuff. And that those, all those plans were scrapped. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was like the, the weirdest part was like having to tell my parents no all the time. And she's like, Oh, but I haven't been seeing anybody. And, and they live in Missouri and Missouri was just kind of like more lax about stuff to begin with. Yeah. And a lot of their friends are really conservative. So they were more like on the side of like you know, this stuff isn't really real probably. And so my parents like were saying they were wearing masks going to the grocery store and I mostly believe them, you know, and my dad was like, Oh, I, yeah, I do it. I do it just so, you know, I'm not worried about me. I, I, I do it. So, so other people feel safe. Well, and you're like, and I'm like actually, dad, you should be worried about you. You have cancer. Like at this time he was actively being treated for pancreatic cancer. Oh, like dad, Lord. wear a mask, man. Like, please. And so, I mean, like they said they were being safe and I mean, I'm glad they were. Everybody's fine. None of us have gotten it that we know of. But um, I just, they, they kept being like, well, can we come up maybe next month? And it was always like, no. And they finally did. They came up in July um, when it was summer and like numbers had started going down just because more people were outside. So my mom, my mom did get to come up. But yeah, it was, that was, that was really, it was kind of fraught yeah. um, in a way that I totally didn't expect. I expected it to be fraught because my mom was going to be living in my house a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was. That was definitely weird. Um, but I went back to work. Um, I started back to work at the beginning of June. Um, came back half days. Actually, I think it was half days in May because. Uh... Oh, because you realized you had all your vacation time you needed to. Yes. Yeah. So I used all my vacation. We get um, we get three weeks of vacation and I hit five years that year, um, June 1st. So I got an extra year or extra, extra year, extra week mm-hmm. um, of vacation at five years. <laughs> so I had four weeks of vacation Um so I used all three that I had at the time, um, basically on, on half days. And so I had two full weeks of um, half day work after my, my official leave ended and then started back. I think I was full time by the beginning of June. So I effectively got just about six months of, of leave mm-hmm. with my vacation and my 
leave combined. Mm -hmm. So, and I have to say that for our employer, Colleen is, uh, the the maternity leave is, is pretty great. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's better than a lot of people I know. It's pretty great for America. Yes. 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 That is. I think it's unconscionable to do anything less than six months because that's when your baby starts to actually kind of sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's ridiculous that we do anything less than that. But because in America, six weeks is somehow what's legally protected, it makes us think that three months is amazing, Um, which is what we get for our work. We can take more unpaid. Uh, yes, which a lot of people yep. do. Or if but you, you work get it the... out with your vacation, you can you know make it last longer. But yeah. yep. Well, and ours you get to stack on the six weeks of disability or whatever. So you get six weeks of disability, and then you start this twelve week leave, which you can take as twelve weeks, or you can separate it into ten and two. Right. But it, you effectively get eighteen weeks of leave, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty nice. So. Uh, so it's just over four months, mm-hmm. um, and then like I said, I, I took vacation, and I took I think I took. So I got through the the whole month of May before starting again in June. And I, I think that's right because I think I was starting again like right right after George Floyd, which is another like that whole that whole fucking like six month window was just just a crazy an time insane to be alive time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to have a new yep. brand new baby. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't go. So I went back to work in June and um, she didn't go to daycare we, because we were really nervous. We were really nervous about starting daycare. Yeah. Um, with, so with COVID scary. still, but, and the only reason why we felt safe doing it is because the place we ended up finding was, um, uh, number one, it's pretty small. So there were, there's like a max of, um, eight infants, um, in the infant room at any given time because they have two teachers and that's the four to one ratio. And they had openings because a lot of people had pulled their kids out because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And also because of COVID, there were only four other babies in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were only going three days a week. So we did start her in daycare, but it wasn't until, um, August. I believe she started in August. So July was like a really hard month because she um, was turning six months old and was just like slightly more active. She wasn't crawling yet, but she was like crying and like wanting attention and would sometimes amuse herself, but sometimes not. But I was still working and I was not working four hours a day. I was working full time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was really wow. tough. And then she started daycare and at least we could work. Um, I could work, you know, three days for sure. <laughs> and then the rest of it, it was just like I'd fudge it while she was sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, and that's the other thing about having a we have a pretty flexible job time wise too, which I'm super grateful for because otherwise I'd be paying for full time daycare for a lot longer. Yeah. But we were able to kind of like delay it a little bit just because, you know, I could work around it essentially. So and now now we, we when she moved to toddler room, we tacked on an extra day. She goes four days a week instead of three, and I'm so grateful for that extra day. Like I can't yes. believe how big of a difference it, it makes. makes a huge difference. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, it turns out childcare is pretty indispensable when parents want to work. Yeah, who knew? Crazy! (laughs) It is crazy because she went from like being pretty chill and just being fine with like laying in the bassinet or sitting in her little like. So I was on leave and I like I did a couple of like sewing projects, um, and I could just put her in the little bouncy chair, um, and she'd just like play with her toys and sit next to me, and I could do this stuff like. Two months later, I tried to do that while I'm working, and she's like, nope, nope, I'm done with this. I want you to hold me, and when you're holding me, I want to slam on your keyboard, and I want to get down, and like it's just like all of a sudden she needed a bunch of attention and like hurting, you know, like when they're a certain age, they just kind of lay there, and they're fine laying there. Not for very long, though. 
So yeah, maternity leave and uh, childcare are like two of my new crusades. Everybody deserves it yeah. for as long as they need. And I think for a lot less money than they currently charge. Before you have a kid, you think, oh, well, if I have a job where I can work from home, then I can have the baby at home. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. theory makes sense. But really, like, even when they're a newborn and they're Does sleeping not work. all the time, it's still really hard because just the logistics of holding them and trying to get anything done and how sleep deprived you are. And then when they're like six months and beyond, they're so active, it's like impossible. So Yep. Yeah, it's definitely yep. And I think that's something that we learned over the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Like even school age children were theoretically, you can say, hey, kid, amuse yourself for a little while. Mommy's got to work and they can understand the words that you're saying. Like a six month old, you can't be like, OK, honey, I need you to be quiet now because I have a meeting. <laughs> you know, they're like, you can't tell them that. Um, but a, an older kid, like a first grader, you could tell them that. But that doesn't mean they're going to keep their mouth shut. No, sure like, and that's what not. we learned, that all these parents trying to work from home and have these meetings with children screaming in the background. We're yes. like, oh, maybe childcare is infrastructure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. Everyone should have it and it should be free for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like, it is literally, we just refinanced. And now that we've refinanced and have a better price on our mortgage, our daycare, our cost of daycare for four days a week in a toddler room. And our mortgage payment will be within $100 of each other. Yeah. Wow. It's nuts. It is nuts. I mean, we picked a Montessori in Woodbury for lots of reasons. Um, A couple of our other choices initially had been slightly cheaper than that. Um, Like, we really wanted to use the YMCA because I was planning on, like, working out there all the time. It would be pretty convenient. But they stayed closed throughout the whole pandemic. And there were way more kids there. And it just seemed like less of a safe environment. Not because the YMCA is doing anything wrong, but just because of the nature of the virus. Yeah. Um, so we ended up going to a much smaller place that was a little bit pricier for the same price. We could get three days instead of a full week. Um, so we could have picked something slightly cheaper, but like not that much cheaper. Yeah. It's it's still almost a mortgage payment. It's still $300 yeah. a week, you know. So, yep. But anyway, she's 19 months old now. Um, she says her own name. Um, she says both Rosalind and Rosie. Oh, cute. Um, her best friend is, she has two best friends. One of them is Opal, who is our um, our friend, Annie Matthews' daughter. And she says her name, and she has a little friend at daycare named Leona. So she talks about Opal and Ona all the time. Oh, that's so cute. Um, yeah, she's super active. She's in swim lessons. She loves the water um, when the Olympics were on. Um, she Every time the swimming came on, which is not my favorite thing to watch, I watch it because it's on, they have swimming on all the time. It's constant, yeah. But um, she would run up to the screen and be like, kick, 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 kick. So she's oh really standing right now. That is so cute. <laughs> um, she loves corn on the cob. And Rafe taught her, uh, for God knows why, um, when she has a corn on the cob, he goes, what do we do with corn? And they lift it over their heads and go, corn. <laughs> so that's the thing that she does. So it's it's been really, really fun. Like, when I think about it, I really miss the, like, little baby stuff mm-hmm. um, and the cuddling and the nursing. She stopped, um, she stopped breastfeeding around, I think, 15 months right before we moved her into the toddler room. Um, but she just, you know, she lost interest. I didn't force her to stop. She was just, you know, my production really dropped and she was just like, no, nah, I don't really need this. I want to eat cheese instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I miss some of those like, like late night cuddles and stuff like that. But it is, it has been really fun, like watching kind of the rapid progress she's making right now. Um, ever since she started walking and like really getting around and she like, I'll, I've taken her to Target a couple times and she like charges down the hallway with like swinging her arm side to side. <laughs> like she really, she looks like those like old ladies that like power walk at the mall. <laughs> it's so great. So she's very confident. Like, um, yeah, the only problem is that she is 
we have hit the 18 month sleep regression. So it takes two to four hours to get her down we, for naps and for nighttime. Yeah. With <laughs> Ezra, we went through a really hard nighttime and he was still nursing and biting me and like he was <clears> awake <throat> and not going to sleep. So he just around and bite me and. Oh God. So then I got to a point where I would take him on like a 45 minute walk at night when I'm like dying. All I want to do is be in my bed. Yeah. But if I'm in my bed, he's biting me. So I would have to make him like fall asleep in the stroller while walking and then oh transfer him and he would wake up, but he would still be sleepy enough that I could nurse him back to sleep quickly without biting. But it was yeah. just like this insanely exhausting ritual and it lasted way too long and it was intense. Thankfully, my second child was like, you know what, mom? It's okay. We don't have to do that. And I was like, thank you, child. <laughs> well, I'm worried because like this kid was an angel like we we did like some like quote-unquote sleep training around four months when Mm -hmm. we moved her um from the bassinet in our room into her crib in her room so in a separate room and so we followed that like I don't know I like looked up a bunch of different methods and we ended up doing this like hybrid I forget Ferber maybe Mm -hmm. um I don't remember what the name is some guy starts with an f and it's basically where you like you put them down and if they cry, you set a timer for three minutes. And if they're still crying at the end of the timer, you go in, you don't pick them up, you like rub their back and then you do five minute and eight minute and 10 minute. Um, and you never go longer than 10 minutes and you just do that as long as you need to until they're down. She was always down by the eight minute. No problems. Like she always went down. She was so good. She's been an amazing sleeper. Even in the most recent months, like we put her to bed and she doesn't go to sleep right away. She like, we have a little like owl nightlight in her room and she'll like pick up a little book and she'll like look through her little book or like play with her little stuffed animals and we'll hear her talking to them over the monitor. And then she lays down and go to sleep. And then suddenly like two or three weeks ago, she was like, yep, not doing that. I'm going to scream my head off if you try and leave the room. And I'm going to scream so much, I'm going to bang my head into the walls of the crib. So you couldn't do cry it out if you tried uh. because I might injure myself. So it's literally been three solid weeks of She used to go down at seven like a freaking little angel baby. Um, and now she'll fall asleep anywhere between like 7.30 and 11 o'clock. Oh, my god! It's just like Rafe and I like take turns like trying a bunch of different methods. She likes to go outside and look at the moon. Mm-hmm. She knows she's tired. We'll be mm-hmm. like, hey, Rosie, are you sleepy? And she'll be like, yeah. And we'll be like, is it night-night time? She'll be like, no. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, I feel I like her- when 18 months coincides with the summer, too, that yes, can be a when big it's still light outside it, until it's nine. So yep. light, yeah. Yep. So my hope yeah. for you is that she chills the fuck out, like in September. Yes, yes. I and they said it shouldn't last very long. Like some places said it la- it can last from like three to six weeks. Which I'm like, oh my god, please not six weeks. We're only halfway there, and Rafe and I are like at the end of our ropes right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but uh, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully this is temporary. And she really does recognize when she's tired. She like gathers. We have all these muslin blankets and we got a bunch of them for um, like just gifts. So I have like 12 of them and we were supposed to give her one at a time. And then when she wears one out, then we just had them all out in her little like blanket basket. So she takes like the whole pile of blankets, <laughs> which she calls bankies, her bankies. And she like grabs them all and like piles them under her stomach and so she sleeps on them like a little mountain with her head down and like her butt up over the blankets and so she'll do that on the floor and we're like oh honey are you sleeping she's like yeah we try to get her in her bed she's like no way um we try and leave her on the floor she'll like lay there for a little while and then stand up and like you know even if we turn the lights out i just like we're just 
every every day something different works. The mm-hmm. other day I put her in like the baby carrier on my chest and like carried her around and she passed out. But now when I tried to get her down today, I was like, hey, do you want to take a walk in the carrier? And she like ran away from it like she was scared because <laughs> now she knows that's how I try to get her to sleep. <laughs> So, yeah, we spend a lot of time in the hammock. I spend a lot of time laying on the floor next to her crib. Uh, so I'm just hoping this I'm hoping this breaks real soon because it's, it's not so much that we are not getting sleep because we're both night owls. So mm-hmm. if she goes down by 11, there's still a good hour before I would even think about going to bed usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does tend to sleep until 7 or 8. So we get almost a full night of sleep um, if we're not dumb and stay up till 2 a.m., which I still sometimes do. But I don't get any of my alone time. Yes. I don't get any alone time and I don't have any chores time. She gets home from daycare at 5. We feed her. Maybe give her a bath and we start trying to put her down. <laughs> and so it's just like very time intensive baby stuff mm-hmm. until after 10 o'clock. And then it's like, well, I can sit on the couch and have a moment of peace and watch one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine or I can do the dishes. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. I like have a choice and it's really hard to choose chores. But then my house gets super cluttered and I work here. And so I'm like walking around my house like this is driving me crazy. But there's just piles of stuff everywhere. I'm like tripping on colored pencils when I'm trying to like walk her back and forth outside to like make her go to sleep. So yeah, I like have to make the chores choice half the time. And it's Mm -hmm. just that is the exhausting part is just this intense, intense parenting. Yeah. um, In combo with like my, my personal time being gone. Yeah. So and both Rafe and I are like done so we like we really have been like trying to trade off but we are both exhausted so we're just like maybe grandma will come over and try and put her down yeah maybe that'll yeah work. that sounds good <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see um grandma's actually supposed to have her today but she found out yesterday that they had lunch with the cousins and one of the cousins teaches a pottery class and one of her students tested positive for COVID. Oh, so we're actually waiting for gracious. her COVID test to come back positive before grandma can babysit so it's just been like one shit show um anyway wow <laughs> I'm glad that she's at least being cautious and yes, yeah. I'm I'm super grateful that, for that. But it's still an annoying pain in the yep. ass every time yeah. someone you know has COVID and you're like, oh, when did I see them? When did they get it? Blah blah. blah. That was my first thought because we just saw her on Wednesday. I'm like, what do you mean you had lunch? When did you have lunch? Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like it was yesterday. Um, but <laughs> I was just like, well, what if you had lunch before you saw our baby? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. So, yeah, because now it's it's hitting more kids now. So it's just like it's last year all over again, except I'm actually worried about my kid at daycare where I wasn't really before because they were like, you know, kids are largely like some kids are getting safe. But for the most part, that's not who it's going after. That's not who it's hitting. Yeah. And that is not that is not true for Delta. So, yeah. yeah. So as I'm sure you guys know, because you all have children of the age that are can't be vaccinated, but yep. must go to daycare. And <laughs> yep. on that downer, I guess. <laughs> Well, I will, um, I will just remember that she holds her corn over her head and says, corn! (laughs) She does. She does do that. I have a video of that. (laughs) And the power walking through Target. I want to see this in action. That's pretty awesome. I I will, I will try and get a video because she really does. It's like the only way you can describe it is she's charging. She charges through Target. (laughs) Because she has her little elbows bent. So her fists are like kind of up at her chest and just like works them back and forth like horizontally and just like half runs forward and it's just like I know where I'm going (laughs) it's awesome I think you should get her some of those really big white tennis shoes that ladies wear so she can really definitely definitely she can join a mall walking group (laughs) she'd be so good at it (laughs) especially if COVID's still bad (laughs) in the winter we can go find somewhere to walk 
I guess we can't go inside, so maybe not. We'll just do it at our house. Get a little baby treadmill. Yeah, yeah. They they make those and what? Why? Yes, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty uh, odd looking. They look like like eighties gym equipment, but they have like a baby treadmill and a baby elliptical. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. That's hilarious. I mean, like you know, well, I don't know about your kids, but my kid loves going up and down the stairs. You know, they'll just do stairs by themselves on their own. <laughs> Yep, I don't, I don't know, like who came up with this, but I mean, it is cute looking. I don't <laughs> really feel. I like don't know how that would work in real life, but they are very. It's like very cute to see like a miniature primary colored treadmill. Um, so <laughs> so funny. Yeah, of course that exists. I don't know why that surprises me that that exists. <laughs> <laughs> if you can oh. sell it, it exists. Yes. So yeah, which Georgina yep. discovered during quarantine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all have coping mechanisms. I did a bunch of house projects I did not need to take on. <laughs> um, so I'll end with this uh, birth fact, which, you know, I, again, every time I'm like, I need to do an Excel spreadsheet and make sure I haven't shared the birth facts already, but then I forget. So I might have shared this already, but it's the one that came up on Google. So this is what I'm sharing today. Newborns do not cry tears. So they can holler and scream, but they can't actually cry tears until three weeks of age because their tear ducts only produce enough tears to, like, wet their eyes, but not, like, spill out. So until three weeks, they're not actually, like, crying, crying with tears. You know what? I feel like I remember that transition. Like, the first time she cried and actual tears leaked out of her eyes, I was like, you probably felt oh horrible. my god, I made my baby cry. Like, actually cry. Like, seeing a little tear go down her cheek was like... Because, you you know, they cry a lot in the first couple weeks, mm-hmm. and you just hadn't seen any tears till then, but it didn't occur to me that she didn't actually make them. That's crazy. Yeah. But I do remember that transition, seeing the tear for the first time. It wasn't like she That's was crazy. extra sad. She just was yeah. able to yeah. produce the tear. It just looks way more pitiful yes. when they have actual tears looking out instead yes. of just like, you know, red face screaming at you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for sharing that. There was definitely a lot of parts I hadn't heard about before. So it was really fun to, to hear all Yeah, I, I talk a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, really thank you though. so much for, for sharing your story. We appreciate I was, it. It was awesome. I was so excited. From the moment Colleen was like, yeah, I'm doing a new podcast about birth stories. We should have you on sometime. I was like, yes please i love talking about it i love remembering it and actually i love listening to your show when i listened to the first episode when it came out it just brought back all of these memories of my birth story that Mm -hmm. i hadn't thought about in a while when at the time you know it was all very intense and all consuming and then you know you get consumed with having a baby Mm -hmm. um so i'm really excited that you guys have this show and thank you so much for having me on it's been really pleasant to kind of like you know walk that path again and we we want to have another baby so i now i'm like you know, it like gets me in the mood, like looking forward to it. So, yeah, well, awesome. we definitely can't wait to have you back for baby number two. And you oh yeah, me. we'll I'll, see. We'll see I'll how be that goes. Like, <laughs> looking at you very with intense scrutiny for the next few months, being like, mm, "Is she pregnant yet? Let me check." <laughs> You'll be one of the first to know. Except you can't tell our boss. Like I just know we've had a lot of problem with like not turnover on our team, but just like timing we're always short on people mm-hmm. and like oh then we're training so i just know like my boss is probably gonna cry when i'm like bye i'm peacing out for another four months <laughs> 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 we'll get like back up to a full team load and then i'm gonna be gone again um so you know we'll just put off that sadness as <laughs> long as possible yes <laughs> for sure uh, anyway well thank you so much both of you 
Yeah, thanks for coming. And I'll talk to you soon and we'll have a play date soon. Sounds great. Yay. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Take care, Adrian. All right. Bye. 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 You. Bye. Okay. She's gone. All right. Sweet.